It's Ezekiel 37. That's where we're going to be. Today's message is called Bone Whisperers. Just because I love the way it sounds. Um, let me set it up this way, too. Obviously, with what's going on today, it's the 10th anniversary of 9-11. Um, Winnie and I, we love to watch. What, show does, what channel does um, I Survive come on? I don't know. Does anybody watch I Survived? I love that show. Like, people sit up there and talk about, yeah, like, I looked over and my arm was in the other county and my leg was in the other county, but I survived. And usually at the end they say stuff like, I survived because I had a will to live. Yeah, that and God. But, you know, whatever. Um, but this week they've been running these I Survived 9-11 specials and just talking to people that survived the, the Twin Tower attacks. And it is incredible to watch and to hear their stories. And here's what I thought as I watched all that. You'll see this as we go through this outline, that there's only so far you can go as a person, as a human, as a man or as a woman. There's only so far you can go. And at some point you bump up against, I got nothing else. This is as good as I can do. And beyond that, if you don't have God, you're, you're, you're hopeless. That's what we're going to see in this story. Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read it, um, and then we'll just kind of walk through it. If you ever tell stories to your kids before they go to bed, this is not the one to tell, okay? This is the one about, like, bones coming together with muscles and stuff, and you, you could. I mean, you could. You might do that to your kid. I don't know. Like, read them this story and then walk out and peek back in. They'll be sitting in the bed just wide-eyed, looking at their stuffed animals like, oh, what's going to you know, Ah, freaking out. Here we go. Ezekiel 37.1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and, I will, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. At this point for me, in my mind, I'm already seeing this like turned into a movie. You know, just... And it would be an awesome special effects. Like you just got bones popping up and tendons and flesh and just covering it. And he says this. Then he, I looked and tendons, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up to their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our, bone, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring, back, bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I the Lord has spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Number one, first thing on there, God isn't afraid to see hard things. He's not afraid to see hard things. 
when you start reading verse 1, it says this, The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me. And if we stopped it right there and I took a survey and asked you where you thought that he was going to be set, most of us would say in a land of butterflies and rainbows. Because the Spirit's on him. He brought him out. It just sounds so good. Like there should be like wonderful keyboard sounds behind it. The Lord brought me out and he set me right in a valley full of dry bones. That's not the ending I'm expecting there. That's not where I expect God to put him. First, just jot down 1 Samuel 17, 3. That's the beginning of the story about David and Goliath. And it says this, that the Israelites were on one mountain and the Philistines were on another mountain and there was a valley in between them. And the reason for that is because in the Bible, that's where the battle took place, always in the valley, never on the mountain. They'd go down, they'd fight down here, and then somebody would win. Victories are not won on the mountaintop, right? They're won in the valley. This is not just any valley. This is a valley full of dry bones. So God wasn't afraid to see the hard thing. Um, Listen, cultures are not changed from a high point. They're not changed because God took him and put him up on a big old mountain and said, now watch this. He put him right in the middle of the bad stuff. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, haven't we? How God positions people. He positions us sometimes in really awkward positions, in bad places, kind of places we would never have signed up for, we wouldn't volunteer. He puts us right there. Think about where you are. Maybe he has, as you've been meditating with him, you've been in the spirit, really close to Jesus. And if we ask people, how do you know you're close to Jesus? They'll say stuff like this, because I feel him. What if you said you were close to Jesus because you've been put in a really awful position full of dry bones? Because that's what happened to Ezekiel. Not only was it bad, but God made sure that Ezekiel saw how bad it was. As you notice where it says in verse 2, he led me back and forth among them. It's like, God's like, let me give you the tour of the valley. Walk with me over here, dry bones. Come on over here, I'll show you the other side. More dry bones. Hey, let's walk over there. More dry bones. I mean, everywhere he goes, he's like, are you getting this? There's dry bones everywhere. I don't know how you are, but um, typically, if I get hurt, I don't want to see the hurt. You ever have a kid walk up and go, I hurt my arm. You go, let me see it. No. I got a tooth right now in the back of my mouth that is chipped. I don't know how I chipped it. Maybe I just became really masculine one day. I just bit down, and I was strong enough just to chip my tooth, but it's chipped. And so it doesn't hurt yet. But I know i got to get it fixed. And there's a part of me that doesn't know, I don't want to go get it fixed. Because if I sit down, you know what the, what's the dentist going to do? What every doctor does, they poke and poke and poke. And then they say, does that hurt? Yeah, because you're poking where it hurts. Jerk. Boom, does that hurt? You know? I mean, he's going to take those sharp things and he's going to stick around in there. And he might actually chip off more of my tooth. See, sometimes we don't want to go that far. Like, we don't want to really probe how bad it is, but God's not afraid to probe how bad it is. I could ask you, I thought about asking you to take a few minutes at your table and just talk about the bad things that you're in right now. I'm not sure we're at that place yet. (laughs) Of course, if you're sitting like just with your family, you're like, I already know they're bad stuff. There's not even a point, right? We are afraid to see bad things we go to great lengths to make sure we put on the right clothes cover ourselves the lamb probe us but i want you to understand it's important you understand that god's not afraid to see the hard things um 
you can jot down Romans 4.18. That's the part that says um, Abraham, I love this, when he was promised to have a child. And Abraham was like 385 years old or something. His wife was a little bit younger. And God said, you know, you'll have a son. And she laughed. And, you know, I don't know what you would do, but when you're that old, you can't really even put your chest out. I mean, there's nothing you can really do to appear more manly. You just kind of have to take God's word for it. And in Romans chapter 4, it says this, my favorite phrase in the Bible, that Abraham faced the fact that he was as good as dead. He didn't try to work up some, like, fake faith. You know, people walk up and say, so how's it going, Abraham? Heard you're going to have a kid. <laughs> he didn't go, yes, I am, because I'm 25 years old. He was like, yeah, dude, I, I can't believe it either. I mean, look at me. Like, I'm sagging. I'm, what was it you said? I, don't even, I, I can't say that into the microphone, but I heard a person say that they had an old man butt. I, I mean, yeah, it's like, that's Abraham. And he's like, but even though all that, God said it, so I'm going to believe it. He faced the facts that he was as good as dead, still believed God. That's what's going on right here. God doesn't whitewash stuff. He doesn't cover it up. He says, it is bad. I'm still going to make something good come out of it. Okay? So, when we're hoping, our faith is fragile and bad details shake it up. When we're trusting, our faith can't be shaken. There's a difference between hope and trust. And lots of times we just hope it's going to work out. Ezekiel's going to learn how to trust. So God's not afraid to see hard things. He's also not afraid to ask hard things. I thought about coining the phrase that he's the Lord of the elephants. I think that would be pretty cool. My God is the Lord of the elephants. Because he's not afraid to ask about the elephant in the room. You know, the thing that nobody ever wants to talk about. He's okay asking that. He gives Ezekiel the whole tour, right, of the Valley of the Dry Bones. And then he asks him one question. So, can they live? He's not afraid to ask you the hard question. If you look, I believe that words are in here for a reason. He doesn't say, son of man, can bones live? He said, can these bones live? Let, let me ask you this question. The death that is around you right now, whatever the hopeless situation is that you're in right now, it's one thing if I ask you, can God redeem abusive husbands? We'll all go, well, shoot, yeah, of course. But then if I say, can God redeem your abusive husband? Oh, that's a different question. Can God save rebellious teenagers? Yeah, we'd all say yes. But if I, if I pulled parents aside and said, can God save your rebellious teenager? We would say yes, but in our heart, we get challenged, don't we? I mean, he said to him, can, he, can, I, can these bones live? These, that you're, you, these are your bones, dude. These, this is your people. Can these bones live? It's easy to say that God could do something somewhere but can he change what you're in? Can these bones live? Um, third, some people only speak to culture about culture. Do you know um, people that are know-it-alls? Don't look at your wife. 
people that just tell you what you already know, don't they drive you crazy? They just keep talking. And you're just like, dude, get new material. I already knew all that. Sometimes we're really bad about just telling people what they know. We talk to culture about culture. All we say is, hey, you are some rotten bones, man. You're just laying around. You're not doing anything for God. You're just in this valley. You're taking up space. You're doing nothing. A bunch of loser bones. That's not what Ezekiel did. He didn't just talk to culture about culture. He didn't just talk to the bones about what they were. He told them about what God wanted to do in them. Sometimes we are so bad about talking to sinners about, hey, did you know that you're sinning? I can't believe that. Boycott this, boycott that, right? But God's not called us to do that. He's not called us to talk to culture just about culture. Colossians 4, 5, and 6, jot that down. We're called to speak about more than just their condition. There are a lot of people that never get past the first thing that Ezekiel said. The first thing that Ezekiel said was dry bones. There are a lot of people. All they do, all day long, every Sunday, is they say, you're just a bunch of dry bones. You're just a bunch of dry bones. And, and I don't know if I'm going to be too honest here, if I'm going to cause you to be too honest, but we do stick the people that we love the most, the bad situation that we're involved in the most, we brand them, and we make it very difficult for them to change. We just say over and over and over again, you're just a dry bone. You're just a dry bone. You're doing nothing. You're not going to amount to anything. When are you going to get a job? When are you going to, get, when are you going to start paying bills? When are you going to move out? You just dry bones. This right here, if you ever talk to people that don't know Jesus and you ask them, what do you think about the church? That's what they think about the church. They just tell me what I already know. I walk in, they just tell me I'm a sinner. Dude, I knew that already. They walk in, they tell me I'm going to hell if they even tell me that I'm going to go to hell. And I already knew that. I was pretty sure I wasn't living right. All they do is tell me what I already know. I know I'm a dry bone. I know it. I got nothing in me. I got no life. Tell me something besides that. Some people, number four, some people only speak to culture about God. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to tell them about the plans that he has for them. It's not even a bad thing to do it with boldness. Um, you can just jot this down six times in verses 5 and 6. He uses the word will. I mean, he's very passionate. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons and make flesh come upon you. I will put breath in you. You will come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. Again, he's not hoping here. He's, not, he's trusting. Isaiah 55, 11 says your word never returns void. Isaiah 55, 11, your word never returns void. His word accomplishes what he sends it to do. Here's what I want you to get. Speaking to culture about God has an impact. Ezekiel heard a noise. That would be an awesome thing to hear. See, he's... It'd be one thing to be up on a hillside like a tall mountain and you're telling, talking to these bones, you go, the Lord says live. And they start moving and coming together because you're way up there. But he's in the middle of the valley, right? 
He's surrounded by dead, dry bones, and he starts prophesying, and they start moving around, coming together. He's watching tendons grow. He's watching muscles grow. He's watching skin and flesh cover the bones, and they're like right there. He's, they're, they're, and then they're standing, just kind of staring. I don't know, but that would freak me out. And that's because as he talks to culture about God, he starts telling them, look, here's what he wants to do in your life. And a lot of us, we've, we're doing that. There's a lot of people that are doing that, and you're seeing movement. There are things, there are churches that are telling culture about God, and people are loving it. And so what do they do? They come, they stand. They fill up an, they fill up an auditorium. They fill up an arena. But if that's as far as we go, all we did was draw a crowd. There's no life. He says at the end of that, that verse 8, I looked, tendons were, and flesh appeared, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Some of you are facing situations that are hard. You, you, you talk to those situations about God, and you see a little bit of movement. You ever um, talk with somebody that's struggling? You share a verse with them, and they just go, oh, that's exactly what I needed. And then the next week they're back and they're like, um, can you tell me that verse again? Because I forgot it. Nothing's really changing. <laughs> you tell them again, oh, that's it. Thank you so much. And then nothing changes. Because sometimes we talk about God. We talk to culture about God and movement, but no real life, no real change. And that all comes in number five. People that change culture speak to God about culture. 9-11, with, with all that we've watched this week, people have, they've remembered, remember how it felt after 9-11? People rallying, our country was strong. That was back when everybody loved George Bush. <laughs> and we, man, we loved rallying together. But as far as it, it's as far as it got us, it didn't really point us back to God. We talked to culture a lot about God, but we never started talking to God about the culture. Hey, God, why don't you come now? Now, we, we've done what you asked us to do. We've, okay, we're in a coffee shop. There's, I don't know how many of us are here. People have come together. But this is all we got. This is as far as we can go. Now it's time for us to say to God, I, God, you've got to come. You've got to breathe your spirit into these people. There are people that are not here today. They'll be here next week. They'll be here the week after. And their lives are a wreck and there's not, all we can do is say, come on, God wants to do something in your life. All right, come get together. But if we don't, as a church, make it part of our DNA to stand in the gap for those people and talk to God about them, then all we're going to ever have is people that we can, so we can always pat ourselves on the back. Hey, this is great. You said they, they were bones before, but now they've like got skin. Big deal. they got no life. We've got to be a place that speaks to God about the culture. I mean, when do we agonize in prayer over Stanley County? Not that they'll come to the gathering, but that they'll come to life. That's what he's calling us to. Culture changers speak to God about culture. Um, look at verse 11. We're just about done. I'm sorry, no, no, I'm sorry, verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them, 
They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Just jot this down underneath number five. It is the breath of God that transforms activity into an army. It's the breath of God that transforms activity into an army. Do you know people that talk to themselves out loud? Like you can see their lips moving? No? You don't know people like that? <laughs> uh, it's good for you. I see people like that. Like, and they look weird, too, because, like, well, well, here, let's use this example. Do you know people that wear those silly Bluetooth things on their ear? And they wear them in public, like around people, and they talk? Don't you? I sort of walk up and go, dude, take it off. I mean, we. You're in a crowded place on an elevator. You're like, how's it going? You're still going, I'll take a, like, large, large fries. Yeah, uh, two, two pizzas. Yeah, I'll, and then someone said, um, honey, what, you want me to pick up, like, milk on the way? Yeah, I got it. I'll get the milk. And you just, who are you talking to? Ah, oh, you got this thing. I saw a guy at a wedding. He was the wedding singer. And he went up in his ear. Dude, really? I mean, what are you going to do during the song? Are you going to, like, click a button and talk? People that, people that intercede like we're talking about, I mean, I don't want to, this is a great way to call you to intercession. Hey, be an intercessor. People think you're nuts. But, man, when you, are, when you see situations like dry bones, when you see a culture that's dying and you make it your mandate to speak to God about that culture, you're going to be the dude with the Bluetooth. In every situation, you're going to start talking to God about it. You're not going to talk to culture about culture. You're not even going to talk to culture about God. I mean, you might say all that stuff, but it's all going to wrap up with this. I'm going to God, and I'm going to speak to God on your behalf. And you might not wait till you get home in your little prayer closet to do it. You might be like, here. You might be in the grocery store. You might suddenly have a, a situation come to your mind, and all of a sudden you're the guy walking around in the aisle saying, oh, God, you got to do something in that situation. And people go, what did you say? Oh, did you hear that? <laughs> I was just talking to God about culture. And bone whispers, they stand in the gap. They trust God to move, to do the impossible, to speak life in every situation. They're more than just positive people. They're positioned people. All right, let's see if we can apply this whole thing. Look at verse 13. This is the proof that God is God. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Let's just make that just plain language. The proof that God is God is not activity. It is undeniable death to life period. That's it. And we can be the busiest, most awesome church ever. And if people are not coming from death to life, there is no proof that God is God. You want to be rock solid in your conviction that Jesus is who he says he is? 
just start telling people about Jesus. Like start, start watching people get saved. And you'll suddenly become, you, won't, you might not know the Bible anymore, but you will become more convicted, more convinced of the truth of God than you ever have been in your life. And people say, how do you know? How do you know that he's real? Because, like, dude, my cousin who used to drink himself every weekend into the toilet doesn't anymore. Really, why not? Because Jesus changed his life. Oh, that's how you know. <laughs> yeah, and if that wasn't enough, just yesterday I talked to, and their life changed. It's the undeniable life-to-death experience, death-to-life experience that proves that God is God. All right, so number six, the five qualities that we can have in our church. When we become bone whispers, we can expect a church with five qualities, and these are all found in verse 14. He says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I've done it, declares the Lord. Five qualities. First one is we'll be full of the Spirit. Um, that's one good thing to be full of, right? You've known people, you just listen to them talk, and you just you turn to the person next to you and go, dude, that is, he's full of it. That dude is full of it. Yeah, but this is a good thing, right? To be full of the Spirit. Um, we're also going to be full of living people. He said, you will live. I, one of the things I pray about all the time to God with the gathering is, Lord, whatever you do here, please let us just be like real, alive people. Not even perfect people, not even always godly people, but can we just be alive? Can we not be plastic people? Um, that it was really big for a while to, at churches to say no perfect people allowed. Like you could Google any upcoming church plant and that was their theme. I want to do no plastic people allowed. I think that would be awesome, you know, because I just can't stand that. I can't stand plastic people. I can't stand fake people. I don't really care if you're perfect or not. I mean, if you, you could be perfect if you're just, like, alive. This whole thing says to me that we cannot have plastic people. I, I just refuse to be that way. I'm thankful that most of you aren't that way. We're just real. When we become a church that speaks to God constantly, we do our, our first Tuesdays. The first Tuesday of the month, we fast and we pray you know, right now, it feels like we fast and pray about us. God, we need this. We need this. Man, I'm ready, to, I'm ready just to fast and pray for culture. Just to fast and pray and speak to God for a whole day. God, would you do amazing things in Stanley County? Would you change the culture of Stanley County? When we become a church like that, we become full of the Spirit. We become full of life. People will walk into the gathering, and they'll say stuff like this. Wow, I don't know what it is there, but I just feel life there. And sometimes I look around at it and I think I shouldn't feel life because, like, it's a coffee shop. Like, kids are there and they're coloring. It's like a restaurant, but yet something, like, Jesus is there. It just feels alive. You've been in places like that. You can't quite put your finger on it, but you love it. That's what happens when, when we become a church that's not about us. We're just standing in the gap. We're praying to God, change our culture. 
We become full of living people. Um, the third thing was we become settled. He just said in here that um, I will settle you in your own land. You ever get unsettled? You know that that's a bad feeling, isn't it? You ever just get on edge? Those um, this might be way too real, but those are the times that if we did drugs, we would. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I mean, we don't. But if we were going to self-medicate, that's when you would. Because you're just, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> you're trying to convince your wife nothing's wrong. I love it. Wendy knows me so well. Wait, that was really bad. Because right now, everybody's thinking, so I have a pastor who sometimes thinks about self-medicating. Um, probably, probably. But there's times like she just knows me. She'll say, what's wrong? And I'll say nothing. She'll say, Paul, seriously, what's wrong? No, I'm good. No, you're not. No, you're not. And it's just, you get on edge. You know what it's like. And, and to me, that's how I see this. Sometimes it's easy to feel on edge. Like, when, God, what's next? What, what? He just said, look, if you'll be a church that will spend your time speaking to me about breathing my spirit into a culture, I will be a God who settles you. I want that. I don't want to look at what that place does and this place does and I was just at a fantastic conference this past week down in New Spring um, in Anderson with Perry Nobles Church it was phenomenal and you just sit in this church and go wow this this place is phenomenal I don't want to be looking for that I just want to be settled you know let's just be, be settled we're, we're we've got our own we got our place this is our deal he says I'll put you in your own place um, fourth thing that we'll have is a deep confidence in God's word. You'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the times that I can say I know that God said that. Because lots of times we say, God, did you? I think maybe you said that. I'm not sure. I just want to know. Just know that he said it. And when we become a, a, a church that's all about praying to God about our culture, that's one thing we get. And the last thing we get is... Um, I just put for the quality, we get marked by completion. Nice. He says, the Lord, you'll know that I have spoken and that I have done it. Marked by completion. Um, I have, until this year, I had lots of books on my shelf that I had read the first chapter of. I don't know if you're like that or not. Always starting, never finishing. I'm working on um, on a blog post that talks about the fact that I'm not the closer. We love the closer. I don't know if you watch that show or not, but we love that show. Um, and she always gets the bad guy to admit it. And you just sit back and go, wow, she's amazing. I'm not a closer. You know, if I was a pitcher in the big leagues, I would not be the guy they call at the end to win the game. I want to be, because to me, those guys are like rock stars. I want to be that guy. Well, if you just call him, he'll make sure it's over, that you win. I, I'm just not feeling like I'm a closer. I've come to this place where I read verses like that, where he says, I will do it, and I love those promises, because God is a closer. I just want, at this point, I'm just happy to be a continuer, <laughs> So let me every day just continue. Just let me help, just help me God continue walking with you because you're going to close the deal. Listen, some of you are in horrible situations. 
horrible. Like, God, if I, I hope I can pay the bills tomorrow. At this point, God, I just hope I wake up in a house tomorrow, and I'd be even happier if I could wake up and my spouse would still be with me in the house tomorrow. I mean, some, sometimes things get tough. And we look up, and our world is bones. Everywhere we look, it's bones. There's no life anywhere. And then you come here, and you're hearing this message, and, you're, and it's resonating with you. You're like, oh, please, God, I want that for me. I want, you to, I want you, God, to speak into my situation. I want you to speak life into my situation. I want you to complete this in my life. But it's all that you can do just to continue. I want to pray that God helps you to continue. That you wouldn't give up. That you would trust, not hope, trust. One more step, and God's going to finish it for me.